and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the review review podcast that will try to guide you through a movie. Each and every month there's a theme. And as it's August, I'm doing Astral Plane August, which is my look at the Poltergeist franchise. So I'm going to look at the 40-year-old original Poltergeist. Now, before I dig into the supposed <coughs> curse of... Uh, these movies and how Spielberg quote stole the idea from an old 60s episode of The Twilight Zone. I want to let you hear what I wrote about this thing uh, when I first watched this thing as an adult from start to finish. Now see I have seen this thing a few times but never from start to end. This was what about six seven years ago so here we go. Just watched the OG Portagast movie for the first time, start to end, and I could not stop laughing, not at the effects, but the acting and the dialogue. Why is every single line screamed at the top of the actor's voice? It's not even scary, it's just plain annoying. Plus, fuck that clown doll. Unquote. I basically that was it. <laughs> so that was seven years ago. So, on to now. Where do I start the supposed curse? Yeah, I don't believe that. Just because the news real skeletons from India, um, which they also did in Goonies and a few other movies, I think Indiana Jones movie had one or two done, and various other movies, the Hills, uh, oh, sorry, the the House in Haunted Hill used a real skeleton from India, so why doesn't that have a quote-unquote curse? I mean, hmm. This curse is nothing but tragic coincidence. Dominic Dunn was killed by her nutjob jealous boyfriend. Heather Rook was killed by bad doctors because they refused to diagnose her correctly. And Julian Beck was already dying when they took the role, so that one's out of the water also. Will Sampson had a heart and lung conditions for years and sadly died after a botched lung uh, transplant so whatever else is just Hollywood spin and hearsay, this whole cursing doesn't exist. It's just coincidence and tragic, um, well, tragedy. <laughs> As for Spielberg, quote, stealing the idea from a 60s TV episode of The Twilight Zone, well, that's down to lawyers to fake, not for me. On to Spielberg, quote, directing this movie. Can I just say no for an answer? Uh, no, you can't. Because it's obvious Spielberg directed this thing, because from what I read, from what I've heard, Toby Hooper was fucked out of his mind on cocaine. So, hmm, as I'll explain later on in this podcast, some accidents happened on set, and one of the actors was almost killed due to Hopper's incompetency. So, yes, Spielberg directed this bloody movie. So let's just get down to the nuts and bolts of it all. With a budget of $10.7 million, the thing pulled in $77.1 million. Starring Crick T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, Heather O'Rourke, Beatrice Strait, Dominic Dunn, Oliver Rubens and Zelda Rubenstein. Directed by Toby Hooper. And the plot, a family's dream home turns into a nightmare when their five-year-old daughter starts hearing voices coming from the static on the TV. Days later, she's sucked into the astral plane by the spirits. The family seek help. Along the way comes psychic Tangia, or Tangina even, who claims she can help. However, can she get the girl back? You find out here. 
So, after the MGM locals and the United States National Anthem starts to play, it's on to an extreme close-up of an old CRT TV into static. And here we meet the father of the Freeling family, Stephen, or Steve, played by Craig T. Nelson, who is passed out drunk next to the TV, as you do in the 80s, I'm guessing. The family dog then steals some pizza and then runs upstairs to the master bedroom to check on the mother, Diana, played by Joe Beth Williams, and she's tucked into bed and long asleep. Now, I've just noticed here that there's carpet samples and boxes all over the house. Have they just moved in? I thought they lived in this house for years. In fact, the youngest was born in a house. I mean, have I just got this wrong? Next, the dog visits the oldest daughter, Dana's room, played by Dominic Dunn, to steal a bag of chips. I have no idea what the hell that bag of chips is. I've got to go chips because it's American. This dog is a complete, utter, greedy son of a bitch. It just hovers everything up that it sees and wolves it down. Uh, before checking on the other two kids, Robbie, played by Oliver Rubens, or Robbins even, and Caroline, played by Heather O'Rourke, who are sound asleep. And note, Drew Barrymore was up for the role, but Spielberg says no, as she was perfect for E.T. And by the way, the dog also steals Caroline's, or Car- Caroline even, um, I think it's a chocolate bar she's eating, so the dog wolves that and all, the greedy son of a... She is awakened from her sleep, goes downstairs to the TV, where she starts shouting at the top of her lungs at the static. This wakes up the entire household. By the way, what is with that staircase and living room? It's a broken leg slash loss of to bloody well happen. I mean, Jesus Christ. I never got the 80s and suspended staircases. I mean, it just looks dangerous and, and tacky. Anyway, the whole family is shocked to see Caroline talking to the white static noise but do nothing. Yeah, folks, uh, fuck that, pack up and leave. Here are some rules of horror. One, always have a shower scene. Two, never trust a kid or old people. And three, if something is too good to be true, get the fuck out of there. Next morning, we see a sweeping landscape shot of the entire housing estate built by Steve's company. This place is huge. We're trying to say here that nobody else has problems with ghosts in this entire huge valley housing estate. I think not. This place is the perfect Spielberg American town, with houses lined up, all on a nice little row, flashy cars in the driveway, and kids playing in the streets, paper boys delivering papers, unmarked graves under the houses, pissed off ghosts, demonic spirits, you know, the perfect picture postcard American small town. Anyway, Steve is having a Sunday night football party with his boys rounds for a drink, as upstairs Diana is changing the beds. Now see, I'm loving Robbie has a fuck tons of Star Wars stuff, you gotta love Spielberg blowing Lucas. And here we have warning sign number two. The yellow canary is dead. Uh, Diana goes to flush it, but Caroline sees it and demands it to be buried. On to the battle of the clickers between Steve and the asshole neighbour. As they both have the same TV, hence they have the both remotes. We work each other's TV. Moving on, because this is not fucking funny. No matter how forced it squeezed into this thing, it's just not bloody well funny. As outside, Robbie climbs an old tree. 
and not. This tree is based on the one that scared Spielberg as a kid in the 50s. Now see, I'm loving the bird is buried in one of Diana's old weed boxes. As Carol even says, Tweedy doesn't like that smell. I also love how Robbie can see the dark clouds descending on the house but thinks nothing of it. So once the bird is buried, Caroline just asks for a goldfish just like that. So I love that one. 30 seconds of weaving. Hmm. Anyway, that night, Caroline is feeding said goldfish as the creepy as fuck clown doll watches on from a chair. What the fuck? Why would anybody want to buy that for their kids? Instant fucking nightmares and usual therapy. And by the way, my partner had one when I was a kid and he hated it. He was terrified of it as he was a kid because he gave it for his sixth birthday and it just sat on a chair and stared out. So he was shit scared of that also. He had a four foot Snoopy doll also which gave him the creepy also. So hmm, way to give your kids nightmares, parents. I mean, hmm. And note, there's supposed to be a cutscene where the clown doll just appears in a basement and nobody knows who brought it because it was for Robbie's um, scavenger hunt birthday party but nobody knows where this clown comes from but it was cut. Anyway, as the storm rolls in, lightning flashes and the creepy tree starts to spook Robbie. I can't blame him, this tree looks like it has faces and the bark. Also, it looks like the tree from Evil Dead 2. Diana tucks in the two younger kids. Caroline screams to leave the closet light and door open. As in the master bedroom, Diana is having a joint while studying as Steve rolls his while watching Twilight Zone on TV. So, hmm. Diana drops that when she was 10, she had weird experiences such as sleepwalking. And she was, I don't know, locked in a guy's car or something. Hell, this bit goes on. Just cut this bit. I say, I mean, hmm. She then worries that Caroline will actually fall in the unfinished swimming pool in the back and drown in the pool. Hours later, this kid's still aren't asleep. As Robbie can't take the eyes off the tree and indeed the creepy ass clown doll, which he covers with a chewy jacket as it just sits there and watches on. Robbie gets up to interrupt Steve and Diana's <clears throat> alone time. So Steve tucks him back in and here Robbie tells his father he's afraid of the tree. Steve tells him, don't be fucking stupid, it's been there for years and it'll not do any harm to you, so long as a stupid tree. He then tells him to count the lightning and thunder. If it goes up between claps, it means it's heading away from you, but if you hear it, Closer, it's coming towards you or some shit like that, I have no idea. With that, he leaves Robbie to count the flashes. Seconds later, both kids are sleeping in their master bedroom. Or their parents' bedroom, actually. Because fuck that tree. <laughs> and here, Caroline is awakened again. This thing, the spirits try to touch her through the TV. Cure. They're here. Oh, God, I was mad. <clears throat> They're here. No, no. <clears throat> As the spirits short. Uh, so it shoots out of the TV and into the master bedroom wall, causing an earthquake. And note the time on the TV's clock, 2.37am. The name, the, the same room number as in The Shining. Warning sign number three. So, next morning, as 
Diana is feeding the kids breakfast. She asks Caroline what she meant by their hair. And she tells them the TV people have been talking to her for weeks. And she sits and stares at the small TV in the kitchen. Robin notices his um, spoon and fork are bent upwards. So telekinesis powers then, or psychic powers and how it is. Anyway, I love the fact how Robbie's feeding the dog under the uh, the table uh, waffles, which are wolves down, of course it does. Mm. So anyway, so with Robbie and Dana at school, uh, the ghosts start to mess with Diana and Caroline by playing musical chairs and stocking them up on top of each other. So in the master bedroom, the dog is barking at the hole in the wall, left by the spirits. Yell off, get the fuck out! It's back in the kitchen. At first, Diana thinks it's Caroline moving the chairs. Then they stack up. So instead of, oh, I don't know, getting the fuck out of there, she decides to play with the spirits all fucking afternoon. What the hell, love? How many red flags do you believe we'll need to get the fuck out of our house? Oh my god, cut to Steve selling a house that is the exact duplicate of the house he is staying in to some yuppie couple. He tells them that all these houses are built to look the exact same. Okay then. As in the middle of the sales pitch, it just trails off and it shows him returning home at night. That is some great fucking editing there. Jesus Christ. He returns home to an overly excited Diana desperately trying to show him the game she's been playing with the spirits all bloody well day. And she pulls Caroline, sorry, as it pulls Caroline across the kitchen floor, stopping just before it hits the wall. Yeah, mate, run and take your family with you. He is beyond stunned as Diana tells him, it's like a tingling feeling in the pit of your stomach. That just goes away when you get pulled. Yeah, love, run. Another piece of bad editing. Uh, Steve tells Diana to fuck Pizza Hut after she tells him to order it in. And note, at the time, Pizza Hut had an ET promotion running, so that would have fucked up Stubug's plan. Oops. So that line was edited out badly. I mean, he's mid-speech and it goes zoop, just cuts to the next levers. So with that, the Freelings run next door to ask if they have any productivity in their house as later that night. Diana is applying some sort of calming lotion on Steve's skin for reasons. I mean, hmm. As two of them agree, sorry, argue over the activity, uh, the productivity. In the kids' bedroom, Robbie is counting the lightning flashes and it's coming really close. The tree comes alive and tries to eat him, smashing through the window. The whole family run outside, leaving Caroline all alone when she's sucked into the bedroom closet by a portal to the afterlife. And note, of all the scary shit that this movie puts, on, puts her through, this is the only thing that scared Heather or Rook. In fact, Spielberg had to shut down everything and comfort the poor kid as she was bawling her eyes out, terrified. But Hooper just wanted to continue off the shoot because he's a fucking a-hole. Anyway, Steve gets Robbie out of the tree seconds before it swallows him whole. It's then sucked into Evil Dead for Ash to deal with as a hurricane just picks it up off the ground and dissipates. I mean, hmm. So with the kids' room all but stripped of everything inside a fucking room, including Caroline, who is now a missing. Diane and Steve search the closet but find nothing. Only that creepy-ass doll standing there, or rather sitting there grinning menacingly. 
Steve runs to the kitchen, but she's gone. The rest of the family search high and low, but Caroline is gone. So Diana thinks she's outside. As in the pouring rain, she checks out the unfinished pool. All she finds is nothing. As in the master bedroom, Robbie hears her calling from the TV. Carana is. Next morning, they head to local university, who just so happen to have a paranormal research unit. As you do, I mean, hmm. Steve is being interviewed by Dr. Leash, played by Beatrix Strait. Alongside her is her techie, Marty, played by Martin Casella, and her assistant, Ryan, played by Richard Lawson. She questions Steve as what to happened. So they tell her about the kitchen, Caroline, talking to the TV, etc, etc. And with that, she and her team set up shop at the house. Now, see, I love the fact that Dr. Leash is bang on about how they're the experts and all this shit, and they once filmed a match, matchbox toy car crawling along the floor, but it took hours to to um, notice this thing as it was all done in teeny little bits of, of movement each every so often. And not missing a beat, Steve opens up Caroline's room as all hell breaks loose with toys flying around. Records are being played by a compass and a clown doll now alive sitting on Robbie's bed laughing maniacally as his head just rocks back and forth. Okay then, run! <laughs> Stunned, the panel team have tea in the living room and I just love that scene. They're talking about how they're the experts. Seconds later, they're <laughs> holding the cups. I mean, hmm. I love the fact their feelings, feelings rather, are not phased by any of the spiritual tricks anymore. Yet these quote, experts are stunned by every little bloody thing. Dr. Leach explains it's not ghosts or spirits, but it's a paranormal ghost. A paranormal ghost? A sort of portuguese rather. And explains it will pass in a few short months. Uh, what about the missing five-year-old then? By the way, no one in this curtain-twitching neighbourhood noticed Caroline has been missing for weeks on end. Or the fact Stephen, or Steve rather, hasn't been to work. Yeah, fuck right off with that shite. Diana then shows him Caroline, Caroline's voice coming from the TV static. She's trapped between the living and the dead. The dog then starts to act up, and then Caroline's voice comes from the TV. By the way, what the hell she been eating and drinking for weeks on end? I mean, hmm. Caroline says she's afraid of the light, so Dr. Leash pipes up to stay away from the light, Caroline. Seconds later, Jory just falls from thin air, as the paranormal research team are now stumped. The ghost then chases Caroline from the living room into her bedroom. Then her, quote, ghost or spirit runs through Diana, who goes completely insane, saying that Caroline just ran through her and telling everybody to smell her scarf, and it smells of the six-year-old child. As is happening, Dana is having a mental breakdown in the corner. So the evil is not pleased by all of this warm and fuzzy feeling in the house. So... Scares the bed Jesus out of everybody as it roars and shakes the house and a gust of evil wind flies through the house. Dr. Leash heads upstairs to Caroline's room as running from there is Marty with a huge pipe mark from his, on his side rather, saying it something bit him while he was in the room. So that night the paranormal team 
have all their equipment all set up. And I am loving the retroness of all this stuff. As in the kitchen, Marty tells his team, it could be a gas leak, or the freelings are faking this thing, or it could be inner space. The fuck? Or it could be a mass illusion. Ooh, kidding. Mass hysteria, even. Hmm. Over a drink of scotch, Dr. Leach tells uh, Diana, she is not qualified. This is just a hobby. Uh, okay then, moving the fuck right on. I thought you said Juber the quote-unquote expert. Yeah. Robbie then comes out of nowhere with, if I get killed, could I show Karen on the way back home? Uh, okay, who the fuck wrote this thing? That is dark as fuck. Dr. Leash then tells Robbie all the answers of life and uh, the great questions are all in the quote light, but that leads to a new life. Wait a minute, I thought the answers to everything in life was 42. She then explains limbo in which she thinks Carol Ann is stuck between life and afterlife, or rather death and afterlife. In limbo, the persons that are stuck become bitter, evil and jealous of the living. They must be shown a light to cross over. So Diana then drops Robbie and Dana. They're getting shipped at their, uh, their grandmother's house the next morning. Handy that. I mean, just write the kids off like that. I mean, hmm. Much later at night, as a family sleep, Marty feeds his face with snacks. He then grabs a steak from the fridge. It comes alive and crawls over the worktop before exploding in what was supposed to be cancerous moles. Okay then. Stunned by this, he runs to the sink, where in the mirror, his reflection pulls off its own face. It's all a trick to scare them away, done by the evil in the house. And note, the hands here are actually Spielberg's hands, because he didn't trust anybody else to do this gimmick. And how in the fuck is this thing PG? This was the grossest thing I saw as a kid, as some guy just pulling off his own face. That's disgusting. With that, all the machines turn themselves on and start recording everything. As dozens, and I do mean this thing, dozens of ghosts and spirits exit from Carol Ann's room. Why, all of a sudden, after months of activity, do the ghosts appear? Is it because the productivity team are there? Okay then. With that, Dr. Leash calls in Tangina, played by Zelda Rubenstein, as film's worst psychic. Three times she fought this evil, and three times she failed. Meanwhile, the kids are then sent to the grandma's house. As Dr. Leash tells Diana, Marty refused to come back, as Rhyme hosted it to watch things over. She will be back, however. And cue Steve's boss, Mr. Teague, played by James Caron, coming over to visit, question him why he hasn't been in work for weeks. Yeah, mate, you'd be fired. Steve gets him out of the house as a poltergeist activity starts again, moving the piano. Then Teagan asks him about the new ground they're about to break on to put on phase five houses. See, Steve's house is a phase one. Because as this is happening, Diana is upstairs tidying up. She tries to enter Caroline's room, but the evil won't let her in as it just slams the door on her fingers almost. Meanwhile, up on a hill overlooking the valley, Teague shows off the new land that he's going to build on. Here it is dropped that Caroline has been born in the house. Okay then. Teague then tries to bribe Steve with a new plot of land overlooking the entire valley. 
So, does he know about the ghost then, about the power activity? Hmm. Steve notices a huge graveyard on the land and says, not space, is there? Tape drops, it can be moved. After all, he's, this is not ancient Indian burial grounds. Or Native American. <coughs> Teak then drops, he's done it before in 1976. In fact, Steve's house is bang in the middle of the graveyard. Okay then. That night, Tangina showed up to do her first walkthrough through the house, asking Dr. Lucci's team to hang back. She's got this, you see. She does her thing with Ryan following her behind, videotaping everything with the huge-ass camcorder. Upstairs, Tangina. Upstairs, Tangina goes all alone. And here, Steve's mocks her for her height. She's a little person, you see. Dr. Leach then tells him she's done this before hundreds of times and she can actually legitimately help him. She is the expert, after all. Hmm. Steve continues to mock her, saying, uh, if this is true, then why couldn't she read his mind? But she, being Tangina, says that uh, I hurt him, but I don't like playing tricks or indeed playing games. So, okay then. Later at night, Tangina, after her little walk through the house, tells a tearful Diana Carolan is still alive in the house somewhere. How? It's been weeks. She would have died of hunger or indeed thirst. So with that, she takes them upstairs to the kids' bedroom to get Caroline back. Not before giving them a talking about why it went for Caroline. She has an untapped natural power. She is a pure soul. She is a psychic-powered kid. So she has the <clears throat> shine then. She's on something that's keeping the souls from passing on. Something cold, something bitter, something evil, and something domineering and controlling. The spirits are afraid of it. It wants Caroline's power to live. Isn't this exactly what I had to do in part two then? Hmm. Tangina then tells Diana she needs to use her love for Caroline to force her away from the evil beast. It's no good, however. So she gets Steve to tell Caroline off. Steve screams at Karan uh, to answer them. Uh, with that, she's told to go to like Karan, even though they said earlier not to move on. With that, they open up the kids' bedroom door and it shows a strobe light in the closet. She then tells Ryan to run downstairs and wait as she throws a tennis ball through the portal, which comes out in the living room. With that, Tangina sends Diana into the portal attached via a rope. She then screams to Caroline to get away from the light. The rope is then thrown through. Seconds later, Diana reappears with Caroline in her arms and they're quickly placed in a bathtub of warm water. It's over. This house is clean. Nope. A note, the gelatin stuff or the jelly stuff poured over Heather and Joe Beth, sucked the heat from them and... Gave them almost fucking pneumonia. So, yay, the safety of this fucking set. Days later, the Freelings are moving out. I love how Diana has the Nancy grey streak in her hair. So that's where Craven got that one from then. Hmm. Steve then leaves to quit telling Teague to go to fuck or indeed go to hell. Later, as Diana, uh, yeah, Diana takes a bath, 
the both kids are playing in a bedroom? Why in the fuck would you allow your kids to play in that room ever again, for fuck's sake, Jesus. The creepy-ass clown doll is sitting on a chair, watching and waiting for its chance to strike. Robbie throws over the same chewy jacket over its head, but this time it comes alive. Alive, rather. Wrapping its long arms around Robbie's neck, pulling it under the bed. A note. This gag went wrong and almost choked over Robbie to death. If it wasn't for Spielberg pulling it off him as Hooper just stood there and thought it was all part of the act. Yeah. Fire him, you incompetent boob. Fucking asshole. <clears throat> now, out of the bath, Diana is in the master bedroom drying off. Suddenly she's attacked and pulled to the ceiling, throwing all over the place again. The crib ripped this thing off in Nightmare on Elm Street. And note, apparently the ceiling had some sort of artex and it ripped Joe Best's knees apart and Spielberg said, that's eh, fine, we'll just cover it up. Okay then. So Robbie fights back against the clown and rips the stuffing out of the clown as it escapes. As he escapes, it clutches rather. The closet door springs opened by itself. The kid's bedroom door then slams shut as... This weird, I don't know, tentacle things are all around the doors. The kids' closet springs open and shows Hell's vagina. Meanwhile, outside the door, Diana has to deal with the evil beast. She faces off against it in no time. She then runs outside in the pouring rain for fucking reasons to get help. However, she somehow falls in the swimming pool. And cue all the dead bodies floating in the dead water. And note, Jo Beth refused to do the stunt unless Spielberg was in the water with her. She was terrified of the lighting rig that was going to dip into the water and electrocute her, so she made sure she was not doing that alone. So here is the base of the quote curse that the skeletons were real. The graves then start to rise up from the ground and scaring the shit out of Diana. Next door neighbours save her after she falls in yet again. And then refuse to enter the house to save them from save the kids rather from the beast. The beast doesn't want to give up easily as it plays mind tricks with Diana, stretching out the hallway. It doesn't work. She makes it to the door, which opens, showing Hell's vagina, as I said earlier. As a tentacle tries to grab the kids down to well, hell. Diana gets the kids out. Steve arrives just in the nick of time to see the light show. As more graves open up, League, I'm sorry, Mr. League is stunned watching it from his car as the house swallows itself up into the light. Steve is screaming in Teague's face. You move the gravestones, but you left the graves, you son of a bitch, you move, whatever. As the family leave, the, the whole street is hit by an earthquake. Diana is dropped off by her boyfriend as the house disappears. The family drive off into town as all hell breaks loose on the street. As sewers explode in fire, the earthquake rocks everything. And Teague is ruined. The family book himself into a motel room as he puts a TV out on the veranda as credits finally roll. So it was Poltergeist. This feels like a fun fair spookhouse, all flashlights and cheap scares, but afterwards you remember nothing. Like I said, almost every single fucking line is screamed at the top of the actor's lungs. 
Tangina is completely fucking useless. She only has five minutes of screen time, yet she's somehow the icon of this movie. Hmm. Now, I liked Herodo Rook as Caroline. She was cute and vulnerable, and not an annoying kid actor. On the other hand, Dominic Diamond as Dana, and Oliver Rubens as Robbie. All they do is just scream and cry and act terribly. The effects are piss poor. Even for the goddamn time, the effects were shit. And Diana might be the dumbest mother in cinema history, ignoring all the red flags, then the shit she had to go through to get Caroline back, so she allows to kiss the plate in that creepy-ass room one final time. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot, love. Overall, if you're a certain age, this probably scared the shit out of you, but for today's standards, this is nothing. I'm going to give this thing a... I was going to say 5, but I know it's going to come, so I'll give this thing a 6 out of 10. So I'll come back this week and look at Portuguese 2, the other side, and then the rest of the month for the other two movies. Don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. And follow me on Twitter at Here's a Johnny's a Pod. Now go check out one of my hundreds of other podcasts. A bye, and this podcast is clean.